0: For those of you that are new tonight, I'm glad you decided to come. I know it's only the second day of the semester. You're probably trying to figure out your classes. You're probably trying to figure out um, how to deal with the snow on campus, because last semester we didn't have a lot of snow, right? And and tonight you decided to come here and hang out with people that you don't know, and that's a big deal. So for me, I'm an introvert at heart. I don't like meeting new people most of the time, which is funny because I'm a pastor. It's kind of what you're supposed to do, but it's not natural for me. So I just want to recognize that it's a big step of faith to come here. So thank you for coming. We pray that you'd feel comfortable here, that and that you would feel loved and that you would know that God loves you and we love you, all right? That's our prayer every week. So we might be a little weird, but I pray that you would know that we love you, all right? So that's our prayer, and if you're back, I'm just uh, believing that God wants to do more than he did last semester. I'm believing that 2020 is going to be a year where we go places we've never gone before, all right? I've been praying over the last few weeks about what God wants me to talk about uh, to start this uh, incredible semester, and he's led me to start a brand new series called The River, all right? So what does that mean, The River? Like, that sounds weird. Uh, In general, or in summary, The River is this idea that that we're praying that 2020 can be a year where we jump in the river of God's presence, and we're kind of experiencing that tonight during worship. That was the most powerful worship I've experienced on the first service of spring semester ever before, okay? Usually, the first service of spring semester, it's... You know, just kind of getting our feet wet, right? We're not jumping in the river yet. We're not diving in, but we're just kind of going like, ooh, okay, it's kind of cold. But we just jumped in, right? And the idea is that we want to jump in the river this semester of God's presence. And as we do that, we're believing that the river of God is going to flow out from us into our campus. Okay, so the people of God, wherever they go, they're supposed to bring vitality. They're supposed to bring joy. They're supposed to uh, benefit their community. And that's the idea of this series, that each of us would jump into the river and then God would flow out from us to our community and that people's lives would be better because we were in their lives. That's our prayer, and that's what this series is about. But for you, how many of you like to swim? Okay, good. There's some people that don't like to swim, and that's okay. Uh, I'm a swimmer, okay? I love swimming. I'm not a competitive swimmer. I'm not very fast. I get last usually. Like Trinidad last year, we were doing some racing, and Betty beat me every time. So Betty's Ryan Bettengov, where's he at? He's fast swimmer. When he loses, though, he's angry. Okay, so just watch out for that. But uh, I love swimming. I love being in the water. The water's my favorite place to be. Okay, so in the summertime, I'm on cloud nine. I'm going to Lost Island. I'm finding some type of body of water. I don't care if it's a lake, an ocean, a river, a pool, a kiddie pool, a, a puddle. I'm jumping in. Okay, I love water. And growing up, my parents would take me to water parks, take our family to water parks. And... As soon as we got to the water park, I would head to one place, the wave pool, okay, there's nothing like the wave pool. When that water's crashing over you, you just feel like, wow, for me, at least, I'm like, yes, hit me, water, yes, thank you, (laughs) and something I love to do in the wave pool is kind of lay there like this and just kind of, like, float, I mean, sometimes you're kind of falling in, but you're just trying to, like, you know, let the water just kind of crash over you, and then the sun's shining on your face, like, there's nothing better than feeling the cold water and then feeling the sun on your face at the same time. It's just like, it's heaven for me. And in one of these times, we went to Oceans of Fun in Kansas City, so maybe you've heard of that. And, and sure enough, that afternoon, I was in the wave pool, and I was floating. I had my eyes closed, sun cloud nine heaven on earth, and then all of a sudden, I hear the whistle blow. I'm like, what's going on? I'm just gonna keep relaxing. All of a sudden, someone's grabbing me and pulling me to shore. <laughs> The lifeguard was saving me. It looked like I was drowning. I was having so much fun, just relaxing. <laughs> I was so relaxed that the lifeguard had to save me. I was drowning in the presence of the water, so to speak. <laughs> Has anyone had that happen to them? where lifeguard saved you and you didn't need saving? Okay, there's, there's a few that nodded like nervously. <laughs> it's awkward. You're having that time of your life and the lifeguard ruins it. And it's just like, come on, man. Now everyone's looking at me. <laughs> I believe that Jesus wants each one of us to experience what I experience every summer when I get in the water, all right? This idea that that we're in this place of peace and joy and life, this life, like for me, when I'm in the water, it's like an abundant life that surpasses understanding, right? And I believe that Jesus wants us to experience this spiritually speaking. He wants our hearts to be a home for his presence. And he wants us to have this deep, deep contentment, this deep love for him, this deep joy. He desires to come into each one of our hearts and give us deep, eternal satisfaction. And satisfaction that's not dictated by your circumstances, but instead by who he is and what he thinks about you. Satisfaction that's not dictated by what's going on around you, but instead by the fact that that God has chosen to call you a son or daughter, and his Holy Spirit has come to live inside of your heart. God wants to invite each of us into this. He wants us to know what he thinks about us. Do you know that God loves you? Like, I know people have said that tonight. Do you know that, though? Do you really have that deep inside of you? Like, how do you feel? Like, how do you think God thinks about you when you do your worst thing? That proves what you actually think God thinks about you. Because some of us, we mess up and we're like, oh, shoot, God doesn't love me anymore. Well, was that love? If he changes his mind about you based upon your behavior? I don't think that's love, right? Love is when you stick with someone even when they irritate you even when they hurt you. And yeah, we hurt God at times with our sin, but he still loves us. Like my daughter, uh, she's been whining a lot lately. She's a one-year-old, okay? So just for perspective there. And sometimes I'm frustrated, but I still love her, right? I just wanna be like, will you stop whining? I'm trying to write a sermon. (laughs) But I still love her. Do you know that God loves you that way? Like God loves you a thousand times more than I could ever love Jane. And nothing could ever change my mind about Jane. All right, so if God loves you that much, then he loves you a whole lot, and that should change what happens inside your heart. That should give you this sense of being on the water, of that joy that I feel when I'm in Oceans of Fun wave pool, right, besides when a lifeguard jumps in, right? And sometimes that happens. We're enjoying ourselves, and all of a sudden a lifeguard jumps in and ruins our party. Something bad happens. We get a bad grade. We start to question what God thinks about us. We sin a friend gets mad at us, whatever, things start to happen in our world, someone starts kind of dragging us to shore, so to speak, like sin or death or, or different things, and all of a sudden we start to doubt, does God really love me? Does God really think this about me? And all of a sudden we kind of get drugged out of that joy. We're not joyful any longer, and we don't experience that satisfaction. So tonight what I want to talk about is I want to talk about this idea that, that God wants to give us a sense of satisfaction and joy no matter what our circumstances are. He wants us to jump in his river, so to speak, and to experience his presence every single day, no matter what's going on around us. I believe that God's inviting us into that this year. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, who's the thief? He's, he's talking about Satan. Okay, so Satan's God's enemy. You're thinking red horns. Little demon guy, okay, maybe he looks like that, I don't know, maybe he's good looking, I have no idea. But the point is, God has an enemy, his name's Satan, and he wants to destroy your life. And that's what happens. So, you know, when we come into, into relationship with Jesus, like I said, these circumstances come around us that, that threaten our joy, that threaten our relationship with God, you know, Satan might attack you and say that God's not for you. He might attack you and say, God doesn't love you. He might attack you and say, God doesn't have a purpose for your life. He might say, you're too far gone for God to love or for God to use Satan wants to send situations into your life to make you doubt God's purposes for you, but, but God wants to give us a deep, deep satisfaction that can, or that can weather any storm that Satan throws at us. But to get there, we gotta jump in the river. Okay, so what am I talking about? That's what uh, tonight's sermon is, jump in the river. There could be a song there. We're gonna jump in the river of God. I don't know, I just made that up. I was not planning on doing that. Point is... We're jumping in the river in 2020, okay? You're all getting too serious on me. I know I was getting a little deep there, but it's kind of my job, right? But anyways, John 7 is where we're gonna be tonight. Turn to John 7, verses 37 through 39. It's only three verses. And we're gonna read this speech that Jesus makes at a big festival. It's a big Jewish Jewish festival, so the Jews, or let me back up, Jesus was a Jew. I don't know if you knew that, but Jesus was a Jew or an Israelite, okay? And Jewish people liked to party. Okay, they like to have lots of feasts, according to the Old Testament, right? They have lots of feasts. And there's a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus, during this feast on the seventh day, stands up and shouts something out. Okay, Jesus just, like, cries out. And before I want to read that, before I read that, I think it's important to understand what that feast is. Because, you know, Jesus purposefully made this statement during this feast. So the Feast of Tabernacles was an annual festival. It happened every year so at the time of the harvest and the and the festival was a, a joyous celebration of God's provision, okay? God's a provider, and every year the Jewish people would have this festival to intentionally remind themselves that our God provides. He just provided in this harvest that we're celebrating, and also he's provided for us throughout history. So specifically what they're celebrating is in the Old Testament, Moses came into Egypt because the Israelites were in slavery, and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay, maybe you saw a movie or a cartoon at some point about that or you read it, Point is, Pharaoh lets the people go after a lot of plagues, a lot of crazy stuff happens. And then they wander through the desert for 40 years trying to find a home. And through that time of being in the desert, God provided for them over and over and over again. Specifically, he provided water for them through a rock. Okay, so a rock just like squirted out water. That's weird, okay? So point is though, God was the provider, not them. And they would have this festival to to look back on that and say, God was the provider then and he's the provider now. And one of the things they did during this festival is there's a pool nearby called the Pool of Siloam. It's this special pool. Some people called it the Messiah's Pool. And and the reason it was special is within Jerusalem, it was the only place where there's fresh water. And every day of the festival, the priest would get a cup of water and pour it out on the altar. He'd do it every day. There was this big ceremony they would do. And on the seventh day, he pours out the water for the last time, and Jesus stands up and makes, a, or makes this big pronouncement in verse 37 through 39. Something important to know, when he pours out this water, what it is, is it's symbolizing how God provided through the rock in the wilderness. He provided water, and also, it's not just that, though, it's not just remembering. It's pointing forward to a day when God would send a Messiah, which is a deliverer king, who's an Israelite, to free the Israelites from spiritual bondage, so not just bondage from Egypt, but spiritual bondage, and he would pour out his Holy Spirit. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that another time. The point is, the Holy Spirit, pour out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And Jesus stands up on the last time they poured out, and he says this on day seven. Okay, let's read it here. It's verse 37. It says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. And he's screaming here, like the Greek here is, he's like yelling, okay? So he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were yet to receive, for as yet the spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, we're gonna jump into this tonight, but first I wanna pray that God would help me communicate this, okay? So Jesus I pray that you would speak through me tonight. I pray that you would speak to every single heart. God, I just really believe in this message. You wanna speak particular things to particular people. I think we're all gonna get a little something different. And God, I pray that we would have the awareness right now to hear what you wanna say. God, right now we say, speak to us. Speak because we're listening, God. We wanna hear from you. So I just pray right now that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Jesus is making a striking claim here. He's saying, just as God provided water in the desert, He's now providing living water through him. So Jesus says, I'm providing living water. God's providing living water through me. God is finally, he's finally fulfilling what the ceremony has pointed towards for all these years. Jesus is what this ceremony is all about. He's giving salvation to the world through Jesus. And he's pouring out his Holy Spirit so that people can walk with God. Because the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of the heart of every believer. God's saying, I will make my home in your heart. Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of this. He's saying, what you've been waiting for is here. He's saying, you don't need to be tired and thirsty and worn out any longer. I'm here. I'm ready to give you life. Anybody here ever feel tired and thirsty? You know, physically, we all get tired and thirsty at times. Like, I'm thirsty right now. I'm not gonna drink it, though. And maybe later, you'll have to see. But anyways, but spiritually, have you felt tired and thirsty? I felt tired and thirsty. For all of the time, humanity has been thirsty. Thirsty for more, thirsty for meaning, thirsty for God. Jesus is saying, come to me, all you who thirst. Come to me and I will give you life. I'm ready to satisfy you. And this reminds me of an earlier conversation in John chapter four. So if you back up three chapters, Jesus is sitting with a woman at the well. Okay, there's a well. He's sitting with a woman in the middle of the day. This woman has had like five husbands. Okay, so she's a sinner, right? And Jesus sits next to her and he says, I have some water to give you. So let's read this really quick, verse 13 and 14. It says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus did not care about this woman's past, He didn't care that she was an outcast and a sinner and that she had had five husbands. He says, regardless of your past, if you're thirsty, come on and drink. He's saying, this water is for anyone who's thirsty. Come with an open and a hungry and a thirsty heart and I will satisfy you and you'll never be thirsty again. But to drink of the water that Jesus is offering, you gotta be thirsty. Are you thirsty, spiritually speaking? I'm not just talking to people who don't follow Jesus. I'm talking to Christians as well. If you already follow Jesus, Are you thirsty for more? Do you want more of God? Sometimes my answer is no, guys. I get comfortable in myself. I kind of do my thing, right? I have my routine and I get kind of comfortable. But every morning we need to say, God, help us to be thirsty for you. Okay, so the first point tonight is this. Jesus is for the thirsty. He's for the thirsty. If you want relationship with Jesus, if you want satisfaction If you want life, you have to want it, right? You have to actually desire to get it. He's not, like, Jesus is not gonna force you to drink. Okay, so Jane, my daughter, again, talking about my daughter, uh, she had a fever last night. She still has a fever. That's why Emily's not here tonight. But uh, point is, I have to give her Tylenol because if she takes the Tylenol, she'll feel better. And and this morning, uh, she was not wanting it. So I had to kind of hold her arms down and I had to kind of force her to take the Tylenol. But here's the thing, Jesus won't do that to you. He's not going to make you drink the water he's offering. You have to say, hey, I want to come drink and I'm thirsty. I want some of what you're offering. He's not going to force you to drink it. So let me ask you tonight. Are you thirsty for living water? Do you want the keys to life? Do you actually want relationship with God? Do you want to go deeper with him? Do you want to live the life that he created you to live? If you are, then we're in business. Because Jesus is for the thirsty. Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. God loves to satisfy the soul that longs for him. He loves to fill the hungry with good things. and He's not talking about hungry for chicken nuggets, right? He's talking about hunger for God, in case you're wondering, all right? You gotta long, though. If you want God, you gotta long for him. You gotta be hungry for him. So for me, when I was in high school, I was desperate for something more, I was in church, I knew about Jesus, I'd already, I'd prayed a prayer and all that, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. I didn't have that eternal satisfaction. I hadn't really drunk from this living water. I tried filling this void with a bunch of different things. I'm just gonna kinda lay myself out there, okay? Maybe you relate with me. Alcohol, sex, yeah. academics even, okay? We can try filling a void with academics. Like if I just get straight A's, my life's gonna be great. Sports, I played football, I played left guard, I wasn't very good, but I tried. Choir again wasn't very good. I went to all state one year. tried out, had a quartet. I think I was the baritone. All three had went to all state the year before. That year they did not go to all state because I ruined it for them. Okay, that's me choir. <laughs> I ruined it for all of them. They were amazing singers. Like that's how bad I was. I was anyways. That's another story for another day. But the point is, it didn't matter what I tried. Though nothing seemed to quench my thirst. It wasn't until I hit rock bottom, and I realized that that none of those things was going to satisfy me, that I was able to actually drink the water that Jesus was offering. He doesn't want you to say, okay, I want Jesus, but I'm also going to take some other stuff. Okay, I need some other stuff to satisfy me. No, Jesus is saying, i got to be your only one. i got to be your boo. Okay, I'm kidding about that. I don't know why I said that. Point is, Jesus wants you to be your only one, all right? (laughs) Or Jesus wants to be the only one. Like, think about this, guys. Okay, so since I went to the boo route, okay, so... If you do this, I'm not judging you, but hey, you know, look in the mirror or something and, and talk to yourself about this, talk to Jesus about this. But if you have a boyfriend, do you have like multiple boyfriends or you just pick one? I got this guy here, I was gonna say boo again. I got this guy here, I got this guy here. and just try to have all these boyfriends. No, true love picks one, right? And you stick with one. And if you're not gonna be with that one anymore, you break up with them and go be with someone else. Jesus doesn't want you to have other boyfriends or other girlfriends. That doesn't mean you can't have other good things in your life. It doesn't mean you can't get good grades or play sports or have a boyfriend or girlfriend, but it means that Jesus needs to be your number one and whatever he says in your life goes. If you're thirsty for that, then we're in business tonight. If you want Jesus to be your only one, then he's gonna give you that water. And I'm telling you, when you get that water, you're never gonna wanna go back. It's better than anything this world has to offer. Having our spiritual thirst satisfied It's compelling, right? That's exciting. But that's not all that Jesus was offering here in verses 37 to 39. So let's read verses 38 and 39. He says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this he said about the Spirit. Okay, second point. Life with Jesus is a life of overflow of the Spirit in parentheses, I think, or we got it up there, second point. There we go, of the Spirit, in parentheses. So it's a life of overflow in general, but specifically Jesus is talking about the Spirit here. Jesus says, if you come to me and drink, you won't just get satisfied and stay there. Instead, there's gonna be some rivers of living water starting to flow out your heart. And verse 39 says it's about the Spirit. So specifically, rivers of the Holy Spirit are gonna flow out of your heart. Okay, what does that look like? That's the question I asked. What does rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing out of my heart look like? Well, I've been praying about this for a few weeks because honestly, this passage can be difficult to interpret, but I feel like the Lord reveals himself to me. So I got three things for you about what I think this looks like. The first thing is eternal life. Okay, so that's the obvious point here. Jesus in John 4, verse 14 had said, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him going to become in him a spring of water blowing up to eternal life okay so the first thing is eternal life you get set free from sin and death you get or you get to be in right relationship with God you become a son or daughter of God that's salvation that's when you put your faith in Jesus and then the river of salvation starts to flow out of your heart so that's the first thing if you came in tonight and you don't have right relationship with God Jesus wants that to happen tonight he wants you to be forgiven and set free of the things that hold you back to repent of your sin and to follow him with your whole heart. And if you do, you're going to experience eternal life. But the second thing, I think there's more to this. I don't think that Jesus just wants us to experience eternal life and, and get a ticket to heaven and say, okay, we're good. I'm just going to hang out now and wait till then. Instead, I think that Jesus wants to change our hearts now. He wants to change our lives now. He wants, in a sense, for us to bring eternal life here, to kind of change our world. Okay, so the second thing that happens when or when rivers of living water are flowing out of your heart, is you start to look more like Jesus. Okay, so when people interact with you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and this will happen progressively over time as you follow him, you get more and more like him. When people interact with you, they should feel like they're actually talking to a little Jesus, like someone who's like Jesus. Like, that's what we're called to be. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to be like Jesus. He's your rabbi, he's your teacher. You're supposed to take on his life and be more like him. About two months ago, I was going through something that I needed to talk to someone who was smarter than me about, and I called, our, or I called our district superintendent of the network of churches we're a part of in Iowa, he's, like, the top dog, okay, big dog, but anyways, called him, and I talked him through this situation, and there was just a moment in the conversation where I was, like, I feel like I'm talking to the Holy Spirit right now, like, literally, like, I've, I've never felt that way. That, like, I don't say that about a lot of people, but I felt like I was, like, talking to the Holy Spirit, it felt like God was talking right to me. There was a gentleness and a wisdom, a kindness, a charity about him that I was like, this feels like what it would be like to talk to the Holy Spirit here on earth. It kind of reminded me of Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. Paul says this, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the point is, as you get Jesus in you, you're gonna start to bear this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm not gonna say the rest, but you see them on the screen. So our superintendent, he embodied the fruit of the Spirit. And the question I asked afterward, I said, how do I get to a point where when people talk to me, they feel like they're talking to the Holy Spirit? Because I really, really want that. And our superintendent, every time you ask him for advice, he literally just says, read the Bible a lot. Like, it's pretty much what he says, like, pray and read the Bible. It's, like, not crazy, okay? It's so simple, but I think it's why he sounds a little bit like the Holy Spirit, because when you spend a lot of time with someone, you start to act like that person. For me, like, the guy's like, whatever friends I hung out with in middle school and high school, like, I'd start to take on their phrases, I'd start to enjoy the things they did. Like, one of my friends, like, he really liked to build model cars. I can't build anything. I'm just not good at it. But hey, he liked it, so I started to try to do it. It didn't work out very well. I wasted some money, but point is I tried to be like him. When we spend time with someone a lot, we start to take on their attributes. And I think that's how we get there. I think that's how we get to be someone who looks like the Holy Spirit, who looks like Jesus. When we spend time with him every day, when we read our Bibles and we pray and and we seek him, we start... To look like him. And also something else too, as you spend time with God, you'll start to take on your identity because the Bible says that that when you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you the right to become a child of God. Okay. He gives you the right to be a son or daughter of God. And some of us, like we know that positionally, like, yeah, that's my title, a son or daughter of God, but we don't really live like God yet. Okay. We don't really, I don't feel like we really grasp it yet. Like, wow, I really am a daughter of God. He loves me. He's not changing his mind about me. And when you spend time in God's presence, when you seek him, you'll start to actually know, wow, I really am his daughter. I actually am his son. He actually enjoys being around me. I'm his favorite. Well, everybody's his favorite, but I feel like I'm his favorite. And you start to take on that identity. And as you take on that identity, as you start to tell yourself, no, I'm not captive to sin. I'm not captive to the things of this world. But instead, I'm God's son or I'm God's daughter. You start to live like that. You start to take on that identity. I think that's what happened with our superintendent Specifically, I think as you spend all that time with Jesus for all those years, you start to know who you are. All right, so one more thing. I think when rivers flow out of your heart, I think it looks like you helping other people live like Jesus. So it's not just you living like Jesus. That's great, I want you to live like Jesus. But you have to help others. I don't believe we're actually a disciple of Jesus until we start making other disciples. It goes hand in hand. We have to start helping other people live like Jesus. I'm not saying you get saved once you start doing that, but I think you really embody Jesus when you start to teach other how to or teach others how to follow him because that's what he spent his life doing, teaching people how to be like him. And he wants us to be like that as well. In Acts 1.8, it says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What is it? Witnesses, right? Witnesses. That's what we're supposed to be when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We become his witnesses. What does that mean? It means we go and we tell others about Jesus. It means we get the power to share our faith. And there's two parts to it. It's not just sharing your faith. There's the piece of introducing people to Jesus for the first time, but then also walking in the power of the Holy Spirit to help someone follow Jesus and actually help them in the practical things of what it means to be like Jesus. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, go therefore, this is Jesus talking, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So point is, when rivers start to flow to your heart, when the rivers of the Holy Spirit start, start to flow to your heart, you transform, but then also you help others transform. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. What God does in you, he wants to do through you. What God does here on Tuesday nights, he wants to do through us out to this campus. We don't just spend time in his presence to enjoy it and then say, that was fun but we go out empowered by the Holy Spirit and help others to follow Jesus. So making disciples, what does that look like? It looks like proclaiming what Jesus has done, that he is Lord, that he has died on the cross for people's sins, that, and that he's risen from the dead, but it also looks like baptizing people, giving people the opportunity to be baptized in water, to proclaim their faith in Christ and say, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And then it also looks like teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, right? Teaching them how to follow Jesus. So, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room tonight, I just want to say the river of God wants to flow out of your heart in this way this semester. doesn't matter if you're a small group or not. Jesus wants to do it. He wants to use you to help other people follow him. Have you let God do through you what he's done in you? Have you let God do through you what he's done in you? I think we all got to ask that question tonight. When you drink from the water that Jesus offers you, rivers of living water will flow out. And someone I think of when I think about this is Tyler Martin. I didn't think he was gonna be here tonight, but he showed up. He, I thought he had a rehearsal or something, but he's here, but I'm still gonna do a shout out. Okay, so Tyler came in to Chi Alpha in 2016. He, he had been following Jesus a little bit growing up, but he really like, like dove all in. And the cool thing about Tyler is he didn't just have something happen inside of his heart. And he's a quiet guy, right? He's not like super outgoing. But he shares his faith all the time. He loves on people in the school of music. He's inviting people to Chi Alpha. He, he loves on people. He lets the river of God flow through him. I believe that's what God wants for all of us. It's not that scary, guys. You don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be able to preach. Just tell people what God has done in your heart. That's all you gotta do. Say, hey, Jesus wants to give you water that satisfies. They say, what does that mean? Well, let me show you. And then you open up the Bible. You read it with them, whatever. Like, it's not crazy, guys. It's not crazy, guys. It's not that complicated. I believe Jesus wants to do that in 2020. He wants to help us go out and reach our campus. But, but the question remains, okay, this is the big thing and we're almost done. So bear with me. But the question remains, how do we get there? Okay, that's great. God wants to help me be like him. God wants me to help others be like him. But how in the world do I get there? I want the river of God to flow out of me, but, but how do I position myself in such, or such a way where that can happen? Well, one, is. So part of it's spiritual, okay? So part of it is stuff that God's doing on the inside that you can't really do anything about, okay? He's just gonna do that. But there are steps we can take. There's things we can do. There's practical side to this. We can take action. We can partner with God to help the rivers to flow out. And I kind of alluded to this a little bit about spending time with God when I was talking about our superintendent and how all that time with God helped him to have the rivers flow out. But but I wanna drill down on this a bit. If we want... To get the rivers flowing out of our heart, we got to jump in the river, okay? And what the heck does he mean by that? Well, it's the third point, so write it down first and I'll explain what it means. Let's jump in the river. That's the third point. It's probably the least theological point I've ever had. Let's jump in the river, okay? Point, <laughs> all right, let's get into it. If we want rivers of living water, To flow out of us it starts with salvation i just want to establish that again okay because that's what jesus is primarily talking about here you have to actually accept him first you have to experience the eternal life that he's offering and how do you experience that well you experience that by turning from your own ways and trusting in jesus saying i'm not going to be the lord of my life any longer instead i'm going to trust him so again if you haven't done that that's the first step to jumping in the river that's how you get in the kiddie pool so to speak But jumping in the river is not a one-time thing, okay? It's a progressive deepening in the river throughout our lives of getting deeper and deeper into what God wants for us. So the question is, how do we get deeper and deeper? Well, if we want to do this, we have to be adamant about getting into God's presence and seeking His face. We can get in God's presence through a number of different ways, but, but I'm gonna share a few, okay? So one way is by having daily time where you spend time with God. For you, it could be 10 minutes, it could be two hours, whatever you feel led to do. I encourage you to work up to an hour at least at some point, that should be the goal, okay? But start with 10 minutes and spend time with God where you read the Bible because that's the primary way that God speaks, but you also pray and you just seek his heart. You say, God, speak to me today. Because that's one thing you can do. A second thing you can do is making this gathering a priority every week. Okay, this is a way to get into his presence, because you're with other believers, and we're going after Jesus together, and there's just something that God does when the believers come together, and the gospel is preached. People are singing songs to God collectively, so make this a priority this semester. That's a challenge for you. If attendance is spotty for you, I'm just believing that this semester, God's going to help you to make this a priority, not just here. If you have a church, church on Sunday, small group, okay, but make... Gathering with other people who follow Jesus a priority this year, okay? A third thing I would say is, is ask God to use you, okay? Take steps of faith this year. When we take great risk for God, we invite the power of his presence. When we step out in faith, when we say, okay, if you don't show up, nothing's gonna happen. When we do things like that, like praying for someone to get healed, because you can't force someone to be healed, right? When you pray for that though, God's presence shows up because he's gotta do it. You can't do it on your own strength. Maybe God's calling you to change something about your life this year, change a habit or whatever, But, but when you step out in faith, when you share your faith or whatever, when you step out, God's presence shows up. Faith is a magnet for the presence of God. So if you're saying, I'm just not feeling God lately, well, you might need to take a step of faith. So who needs to take a step of faith in here? I just believe that God wants to do that. There's people in your classes that if you would share the love of Jesus with them, they would encounter his love and be changed forever. But God is waiting on you to step out in faith. That's another way. I think another way is acknowledging God throughout your day. So it's not just about having a daily set of time, like I'm gonna jump in the river and then I'm getting out and drying off. You You keep swimming in the river all day long. Hey, what's that look like? You continually acknowledge God throughout the day. You know, one thing I like to do is listen to instrumental worship music, okay? So, like, if it was just, like, Victor and the keyboard playing, that's kind of what it sounds like, okay? And it just kind of helps me get in God's presence. So every time I get in the car, my Bluetooth just automatically turns that on, and it just kind of gets me in a posture of prayer. I'm like, oh, yeah, God, yeah, you're there, and you're my God. I acknowledge you. Please just work through me today. Speak to me. Okay, so just acknowledging throughout the day. So I don't know what it is for you, but I think we each need to be intentional about thinking about how can we be reminded of God throughout the day, Something else is fasting. Okay, fasting. I love fasting. No. <laughs> I mean, I love fasting, spiritually speaking, but it's hard. I like food a lot. And I like lunch. Lunchtime? Mm. Something about that in the middle of the day. And I'm done for after lunch. Don't come to my office after lunch. It's scary. No? <laughs> it's a joke. And it's a joke. Okay, anyways. But fasting, what is it? Marcus explained it a little bit, but I want to explain it just a little bit more as we're preparing for our 10 days of corporate prayer and fasting of Kai Alpha. Fasting is just setting aside one thing for a period of time, or it could be multiple things, to invite God to fill that space. So we become reliant upon things. There's certain things in our life that each of us become, become reliant upon. So one thing for me, I like Coca-Cola. And I like to have one a day with dinner, okay? I don't know why, I've done it for a long time. And giving up Coke would be hard for me, right? But Or Netflix, I like watching Netflix after dinner. There's just things I like to do, I don't know what your routine is throughout the day, but there's things we start to rely upon and saying, hey God, I don't need that thing to be happy. I don't need that thing to be satisfied. I'm setting it aside for a period of time so I can invite your presence. So something really practical that I like to do is fasting one lunch per week. And some of you don't even eat lunch because you're so busy, you just don't even do it. So it's not a big deal for you. So if it's not a big deal, then, then that doesn't count, okay? Just because you didn't have time. Because fasting, what it is, like when you set aside that time, you're supposed to pray. You're not just supposed to fast. I'm not gonna eat. I'm gonna suffer. I'm not gonna talk to God at all either during this time. No, instead you're supposed to have an intentional time of prayer. So take that 20 minutes that you would have lunch in the union and instead walk around campus and pray. Just say, God, move in my heart. I'm telling you guys, if you want it, okay, I talked about faith. Like faith is a big thing, but I think fasting, like if you want God's presence, if you wanna jump in the river, there's no quicker way. Like when people say, or say no to the things they need, and say yes to God and depend upon him, God just shows up. Like I've seen crazy miracles happen when I fast. Like there'll be something I'll be praying about for months. I fast one lunch and boom, it's taken care of by three o'clock. I'm like, why didn't I do that a month ago? There's just something about fasting. Sometimes that doesn't happen, but I encourage you when you do fast, have something intentional that you're praying about. So as these these 10 days are coming up, start thinking, say, God, what do you wanna do in 2020? And during these 10 days, I'm gonna pray that you would do that and watch God show up and show off. His presence is going to show up, and he's going to do incredible things. If you look throughout church history, and the band can come up actually right now, uh, but if you, if you look throughout church history, any great move of God is preceded by people getting serious about God and jumping in the river, so to speak. Any great move where God just like really moves in history, it starts with believers saying, okay, we're going to jump in the river. We're going to start praying, fasting, seeking God in a way that we haven't before. In 1857, churches in America were sliding downhill. Here's a lie that I'm gonna expose right now. This idea that like, things are, are worse now than they ever have been before, spiritually speaking, is not necessarily true, okay? There's been times all throughout history where things get really, really pooey, okay, spiritually speaking. And then what happens? There's a group of people who get serious about God seeking his face, and just a, there's this rush of God's presence comes over the people, his spirit moves, we call this revival, okay? It's a a churchy word, but God starts to wake people up and all of a sudden the culture gets revitalized. So this idea that we're just like doomed and things are going to hell in a handbag and we just need to wait for Jesus to come back, is not necessarily true. He might be coming back soon, right? We should live like that. But I don't wanna just say, okay, Jesus is coming soon. I'm gonna hide out in a bunker and hope that nobody contaminates me. Instead, I wanna contend and say, God, move in our day, all right? God, do something here and now. Why not 2020 at you and I? So back to 1857. OK, churches in America were sliding downhill, and there's a guy named Jeremiah Lampier. He was a or just a normal church goer, not a pastor or anything, but he started a noontime prayer meeting in Manhattan, and, and he invited businessmen and, and people from Wall Street to come and to be a part of this. It's just one hour of prayer. On the first day, he showed up at noon and nobody else showed up until 1220. Okay, some of you are like that, a morning prayer. It's like 735, okay, I'm coming. I'll be there for the last two minutes. I'm just playing. But point is at 1220, a few people showed up and they kept praying day after day, day after day. That group began to grow and the meeting caught fire. Two years later, there were 10,000 people praying every day at noon, all around Lower Manhattan. And the churches caught fire because when people start praying, churches catch fire. If you complain about your church, oh, they're not spiritual enough, start praying. Get people to pray, okay? If you want to light a fire in your church, get people praying. And then from 1857 to 1860, so a period of three years, our historical records aren't completely accurate. We know it's somewhere between 50,000 and 80,000 people got saved in those three years in Manhattan. There was only 800,000 people in Manhattan at the time. So 10% of the population came to know Jesus as Lord. And I believe God wants to do it again. I believe he wants to do it again. Guys, I've been here as the director for five years now. I've been preaching this same message over and over again. I'm believing God wants to do it. I really believe that God wants to fill up this room on Tuesday nights. I know that sounds crazy to you, but he's done bigger things in the past. There's 800 seats in this room. If we filled it up, we still wouldn't be at 10%. Okay, so we still wouldn't match what happened here. But I believe God can do it. But for him to do it, we gotta jump in the river. Guys, we gotta start praying. We gotta stop settling for less than this best. Instead, we need to say, God, whatever I need to do, whatever I need to surrender to you, I wanna surrender it this year. God, I don't wanna live for, for the sloppy seconds. I wanna live for your best, God. I wanna live for like the best you can offer, not just a little bit of, of you, but I want all of you. So God, in 2020, if there's anything that's holding me back from you, just help me to release it and to go after you. That's, I think that's what God wants us to do. So the main idea tonight is this. It's a prophetic word for this year. In this community, I believe that Jesus wants 2020 to be a year of spiritual overflow. Guys, we're not going to settle, okay? We're not going to settle. I refuse to let us settle. Holy Spirit, help me, right? I refuse. I'm going to keep preaching at you. I'm going to keep yelling at you. I'm going to yell at myself before I yell at you, okay? So, So hear me on that. I stink too. Okay, we all stink, but let's go after it, right? 2020. I don't know what I'm talking about. But 2020 is gonna be a year of spiritual overflow. So in 2020, God wants you to ask the question right here, right now. God, how can I jump deeper into the river? So for you, maybe you need to start reading your Bible every day. It's gotta be a priority. And I'm telling you guys, there's no better time to read your Bible than when the sun hasn't come up yet. I'm telling you 5 a.m., mm, spiritual that's just a good time, right? It's hard. I encourage you to set aside a time each day where you spend time with Jesus. Or maybe for you, you need to start making corporate prayer a priority. If we wanna see people get saved on our campus, if we want people to experience Jesus, we gotta to pray together. And that's why we have morning prayer. That's why we do pre-service prayer. We should probably have more prayer times. Guys, can I share a dream with you? I have a dream, okay? Actually, Martin Luther King stood in this spot and, 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 and spoke about 50 years ago. He probably didn't say, I have a dream, but he spoke. Right? And I just believe that, that how prophetic is that, right? Now we're believing for a spiritual revival, okay? So I have a dream that someday there'll be prayer meetings happening every day on our campus. And Kyle, the students would fill it up every day. And there'd be people from other campus ministries. I believe that God can do that. Like, why not you? Why not now? Why not 2020? Or maybe you need to start fasting. Maybe that's something you need to do. Or maybe when you come together with the people of God, you need to expect God to move. Because some of us, when we come together, we're just like, I'm going through the motions. Oh, another sermon. Daniel talks a lot. Man, is it 45 minutes already? Geez, shut up. <laughs> but instead of that, say, God, I want you to speak to me tonight. Jesus, I think you want to speak to me. And you get your notebook out and you're like, God, whatever you want to say. It doesn't have to be something I say, but but the Holy Spirit might speak to you while I'm talking or th- during worship, just going after it. and that doesn't mean you have to jump around like a hooligan you can do whatever you want but for you whatever way that looks like whatever that looks like going after god and worship singing out to him declaring who he is saying jesus you are good you're worth it god i worship you so maybe that's what you need to do this year maybe a small group you need to show up not because you feel like you have an obligation but instead you're like i'm excited to hang out with my brothers or my sisters in christ and we're going to go deeper together tonight and we're going to encourage each other and we're going to invite more people in so here's a challenge for every small group I shared this with small group leaders so now I'm sharing with everybody so, so you can hold them to it. Every single small group meeting this semester needs to have an empty chair in that small group because that empty chair represents someone on campus who could be in that spot. And if someone comes and fills it, you grab another empty chair, you grab another empty chair. I pray that every small group you would pray, say, God, bring someone new tonight. And guys, we're not just bringing them because we're like, oh, we wanna convert them or something. No, we're bringing them because we love people. And if we really believe that Jesus has the keys to life, we're gonna wanna share it with people. If you're not sharing your faith, and I had say this to myself, okay? So Daniel, if you're not sharing your faith, do you actually know that Jesus has the keys to life? Because if you really believe it, if you really believe that Jesus had the keys to living water, you'd wanna share it with everybody. So guys, 2020, get that empty chair out and say, Jesus, fill this seat. All right, I got more stuff I could say, but I'm gonna let you stand up because we gotta get done here. So stand up. <laughs> if you're here tonight, I just wanna say this too, if you're here tonight, and you don't know Jesus, I wanna share the gospel with you. The gospel is the good news, okay? I'm not gonna take too long, but the gospel is the good news. It's what Jesus did for you. It's what Jesus did for us. In the beginning, God created us and he created us perfectly. It was so perfect that God would even walk in the garden with that first man and woman. He had intimacy with that first man and woman. But then they chose sin. They chose their own way. And sin and death came in Romans 6. 23 says, the wages of sin is death. Okay, so when we sin, we invite death. We invite separation from God. But God did not leave us that way. God did not say, okay, they've sinned. They've screwed up. They're not perfect now. Forget about them. Instead, he said, I'm going to fix this. he, He fixed it through Jesus. In the gospel of John, it says that God became flesh and he dwelt among us. So Jesus came and he lived the human life. And we all know the human life can stink at times. And God, like he's enjoying himself up there, right? And he came and he was a human, he lived the human life. And he didn't just live it, he lived it perfectly. He lived it the way that each of us were supposed to live it before we chose sin. And then here's what's crazy about that. So so Jesus was perfect, right? He didn't deserve a punishment, but then he was put up on a cross and punished for a sinner's crime. He was punished for our sins. And the reason he did that Is there needed to be a sacrifice on our behalf because when we sin we invite death there's a payment there's a crime and where there's a crime there's a penalty and jesus said i'm gonna pay that penalty so it's like the judge okay if there's a judge in a trial it's like the judge saying hey the person who killed that other person they don't have to go to jail i'm gonna go to jail for them that's what jesus did for you do you believe that if you question if god loves you that's all you got to do is look at the cross where jesus gave up his life for you. He knew every silly thing you would do, every single every single sinful thing you would do, and he still gave his life for you. And that's not it, though. He went in the grave, he died. For three days, he was buried. And then after those three days, he rose from the grave. He came back to life. And why did he come back to life? Because he needed to show that, that death no longer has the final word. Instead, God can defeat death. So when we put our faith in Jesus this is what happens one the holy spirit comes inside of our hearts like we talked about two we experience forgiveness we like there's no more penalty anymore instead we get eternal life and three as i say with eternal life we get to live forever and ever and ever with god just like jesus at the last day will be raised up from the dead and get to live with god that sounds incredible if you ask me and i think some people tonight are going to put their faith in jesus and he's going to do that i just believe that Can I be crazy enough to believe that God wants to change your life? God wants to transform your life. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know if it's a doubt or a struggle. I don't know what it is, but Jesus wants to set you free tonight. So can you just bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna pray for you. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond to that, to respond to the gospel. If you just heard the gospel or you heard about what Jesus did for you, and you want to follow him, you want to put your faith and your trust in him, I want to give you a chance to do that. And we do it a very, in a very simple way here at Chi Alpha. We just have you raise your hand to God and say, hey, hey, God, I want to be saved. That's all you got to do. And just as a signal saying, God, I repent for my sin and I trust you. I put all my trust in you. So I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand. It's just between you and God. Okay, so one, two, three. Three, slip my ball across this room. See that hand, see that hand, see that hand. Incredible. You can put your hands down. I'm gonna pray for you. And guys, there's no magic formula to pray. It's just saying, Jesus, I trust you. So if that's all you wanna say, just say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I confess that I messed up and I put my trust in you. So let's pray. Jesus, tonight we confess our sin to you. We confess that we've fallen short of your glory. And God, we wanna turn away from our own ways and instead trust in you. And Jesus... Jesus, tonight, we just want to drink from that water. God, we want that water. We're thirsty. And God, we're asking for a spring of water to well up to eternal life in our hearts tonight. We're asking for that, Jesus, in your name. There's one more way to respond tonight. If you came in here and you're already a follower of Jesus, I believe that he has more for you. I believe he wants you to dive deeper. You've only scratched the surface of what he wants to do in your life. He wants to do more this year than what he's ever done before. But guys, to have that happen, you have to start diving deep. You gotta get serious. You gotta say, Lord, just let your living water flow out of me this year. Whatever it takes, all right? So I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up your hand if that's you. Okay, so one, two, three, slip up all across this room. Okay, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna worship. Jesus, tonight, we will, just come to you and say, hey, we want the living water to flow out of us. Holy Spirit, we want this year to be a year of overflow. Come on, Spirit, we don't just want a little bit. We want all that you got for us, God. God, we don't want to settle. God, this year we want to see 10% of our campus come to know you. A thousand students come to know you this year, Jesus. It's crazy, but you can do it. So Jesus, we pray that you would just begin to flow out of our hearts. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. Amen.